Man, CU College, I'll go ahead and stay standing. Stay standing, stay standing. And we're gonna start off tonight a little bit different. Man, I'm excited because tonight's message, I believe, is for everybody that can hear my voice, whether you're in this room, whether you're listening on the CU College podcast, because tonight's message is really for what each and every one of us are going through at this point in our life. I know that the month of March really begins midterms, really begins what is to look next, right? Towards the end of a semester and maybe even looking a little bit backwards going, man, maybe I haven't come as far as I thought I should. And so typically what I do is if I have a large text, I'll break it up into different ones throughout the message. But I just really wanted to start off with saying these 14 verses together. So if you can stay standing, if you have your Bibles, go to Philippians 1, verse 12. If you don't have them, you can look it up at the Bible in the sky on the screens. I'm gonna read it for us. It says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Says it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Says the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you, again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account for me. And CU College, I feel like that's a message straight from Paul to us. And Paul is writing this to a church from behind bars. And so as you go ahead, you have a seat, Thank you so much to you college worship team. I want you to tell your neighbor, tell your neighbor the title of tonight's message. It's titled, I'm not a captive. Say that, I'm not a captive. 
Now, I know you may have not really said it to the person on your right, so turn to the cute girl on the left, guys, and say, I'm not a captive. That girl just went. I'm not a captive. I'm not a captive. Man, I'm expectant, as Paul was talking about, I'm expectant for God to do something new tonight. I'm expectant for God to give a word that I didn't even have prepared. I'm expectant for the Holy Spirit to just fill this place through our worship, through our prayers, and through God's word. I'm expectant for him to do something new tonight. You know, this passage really stuck out to me because Paul, the author who's writing this, is really at a point in his life. He, you know, he's one of the ones that wrote part of the Bible. In fact, half the New Testament was written by this guy. And Paul, at this point in his life, when he's writing, he's really at that point where he doesn't really care what other people think about him. I, I aspire to get to that point. Anybody feel like they're at that point in their life, but not really? It's like, we're like, man, we don't really care. We don't really care. Paul's at that point. Paul has that maturity that I think we all aspire to have in our life. He had reached that level in his spiritual life with Jesus of just not really caring what other people thought of what he was doing. And so he's older, he's wiser, he's you know, been through some things, and he's currently going through some things. You know, the book of Philippians, it's widely known as the happiest book in the Bible by many biblical scholars. But the funny thing about that is that Paul actually wrote this behind bars. He was in prison. And he was in like the worst type of prison that you could ever imagine. He was in prison and he's writing the happiest book in the Bible behind. So those words that we just read, and think about somebody writing those behind prison bars. So which tells us, as we're reading through this, that Paul knew something that many of us don't know or we don't think about a lot. He knew that our, our faith shouldn't be determined by our circumstances. Paul knew that the things we're currently going through shouldn't affect the type of faith that we have in our God. And so when we look at Paul's letter, it's something big to check out right there at the beginning. In verse 12, he says this, and this is how I know that it's true that Paul knew how important it was to advance the gospel and what he was going through. Because he says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, that what has happened to me. Now, Paul doesn't say what has happened to him. We're gonna read the whole verse in a moment, but Paul doesn't really say what has happened to him or what's happening to him. He's not like writing in there, he's like, hey, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, or I want you to know, see you college, what has happened to me? I wanna tell you about how the food is in here. I wanna tell you about whether the, the Wi-Fi is working or not. And I wanna tell you about how my living situation is. He, he doesn't do any of that. He just says, man, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me. And I think that's odd because he doesn't tell us what he's going through. But in fact, he uses another word that we're gonna focus on for a moment. Here's the rest of verse 12. It says, now I want you to know Brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually, everybody say actually, served to advance the gospel. See, Paul is using this word here when he could have been telling us all the negative things that have happened to him about how he was wrongfully thrown into prison and what's going on there and things like that. No, no, no. He doesn't say all the negatives. 
He decides to focus on the positives. How powerful is that? Man, I think that's something big that we can learn from Paul, is that God is more interested in changing us than he is in changing our situation. God's more interested in changing us than he is in changing our situation. Because, my goodness, how often do we, you know, we get into a fight with a coworker at work or, you know, our professor isn't letting us turn in that assignment late that we didn't stay up late to do, you know? <laughs> and we call our mom or our dad or our best friend and we're like, let me tell you what actually happened to me. And then you'd go all the negative. How often do we focus on the negative when Paul is saying, hey, let's focus on the positives. Maybe it's something out of your control. Something happens in your life and say, let me tell you what happened to me. It's all negative. It's all these things that have happened. Paul isn't choosing to focus on what's happening to him. He's choosing to focus on what God is doing through him. And so we have to make sure that our focus is getting right. Uh, before I came to Corpus Christi, I was at a church in South Florida. And being a part of that church was incredible. We got to meet some amazing people. And me and my wife uh, specifically met this couple who before we got there had actually lost a baby. But they didn't just have a miscarriage and lost a baby, they had actually had a stillborn. And so they had been so excited, so ready, they had no idea the complications were happening. And then their baby boy was born, and as soon as he was born, he died. They had to bury this brand new little baby. And we knew this because the church had actually built some steps right over by the kids' area and had put it in memory to that baby boy. Well, what ends up happening is that this mom served in our student ministry there that we led. And so what she ends up doing is she's serving and, man, we're praying with her and they actually get pregnant with another baby. Man, what a story, right? Like they lose a baby, then God gives them another baby just a couple years later. And what did you know? The very same thing happened again. And I remember sitting down and, and talking with her. And I'm going, I just got to ask, how are you doing? Like, how are you waking up in the morning? Because I got a glimpse of that last year in 2020. I didn't want to get out of bed. And I had no idea that me and my wife would go through a similar situation. But I'm asking her this, I'm going, like, how are you doing? How are you getting up every day? And she said this. She said, I, I realized that I could be upset. I could wave my hands at God in frustration. Or I could sit in his presence. I could be grateful that my two babies are in his arms, worshiping, and I can stand up and I can serve him. And I thought to myself that day, that's what faith looks like. That's what faith looks like. With tears in my eyes, I was stunned. I was amazed because this, this mom who never got the chance to watch her babies grow up was able to stand in God's presence and worship him and serve with a smile on her face because she knew that her circumstance didn't determine her faith. And so many of us, we get that twisted so often. And I gotta be honest, tonight's message is just as much for me as it is for you. See, this word actually is so powerful. Everyone say actually. 
Man, this word actually is so powerful. Because on the surface, man, sometimes we feel like things are about to take us out, right? Things that are out of your control, those are the worst. Man, a situation, people start talking about you behind your back. You had no reason that they did. You feel like it's gonna take you out. So on the surface, it looks like it's gonna take you out. On the surface, it looks like the frustrations that you have are, are actually warranted, right? You know, on the surface, man, I feel like I'm stuck in life because I, I, I didn't get that job that my professor told me I would get when I got that degree. On the surface, I wish that he or she didn't break up with me because I'm upset, I'm angry, and I don't understand why this is happening. But actually, everybody say actually. But actually, there's a reason because God knew that if he gave you that job that was worth $30,000 a year, you wouldn't accept the $75,000 a year job in six months. And so actually, God's no was his protection. Your current circumstance is actually God protecting you for something better in the future. Man, that word actually is so powerful. Actually, man, you ain't got to worry about me in here behind bars. That's what Paul's saying. Because Paul's going, you know what? Just like I'm chained, these other people are chained to me, and I'm just going to continue to preach about Jesus Christ. You should get excited in here, CU College, because Paul was teaching us something through saying, look, it doesn't matter about the current circumstance that I am in. I'm going to continue to preach about what Jesus has done in my life. And guess what? They're in a similar circumstance. These people that are trying to guard me from getting out of here, they got to listen to my voice. I'm going to tell them all about Jesus Christ, and they're going to continue to grow in their relationship with Jesus, and we're going to get some people people saved in here behind bars because actually God's circumstance that these people threw me in here, God's using it for his good. The word actually is so powerful. Could we say the same thing for our lives? Man, are we continuing the calling God has placed in our life in the messy of situations or are we praying so hard to get out of those current situations that we miss the miracle that God has for us. Actually, what people meant for evil, God's going to use for good. So if you're being attacked in here tonight, you're walking in here with some baggage, I want you to know you're in the right place. I believe that tonight's message is for you. Because actually, there's about to be a breakthrough that happens in your life. Actually, you're about to move forward and not really worry about that current situation that you're in. You're gonna let those people worry about it that they put you in and you're gonna say, you know what? I'm just gonna sit here, I'm gonna glorify God. I'm gonna believe that he is bigger and stronger than any situation here on earth. Because guess what? He made you, he made everything around you, so he is. Actually, he is using those bad situations for good. You know, our prayer might be this. God, man, I really need a new job because these coworkers I got, they ain't cutting it. God, I really need to get out of this class. I know I was supposed to, you know, drop classes back in February or January, but I ain't got time. Like, I, I, there's nothing I can do. I, 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 I'm not going to pass. Or God, man, I really need a new boyfriend because he just ain't cutting it. And if he's in here, don't turn to him and look at him. It's awkward, okay? <laughs> God, I need out of this circumstance. And God's going, man, if you would just sit there, read my word, pray, and worship, and you would just be still of trying to get yourself out of the circumstance, I would show you why you're in the circumstance and get you out to where you learned your lesson. 
Now, I do this with my four-year-old daughter, right? I send her to her room. I bring her out. Hey, do you understand that yelling at your mom and dad isn't the best thing? <laughs> no. All right, go back to your room. You're in the same circumstance. You're in the same situation you're putting yourself in. We have to be mindful of that. Man, we're so busy trying to get out of our current situation that we don't understand that God is trying to get in. Man, he's trying to get into our pain. He's trying to get into our singleness. He's trying to get into our loneliness. See, Paul, he had some maturity with him. He had learned this by the time he wrote this text. He said, God, I, I know it's the worst, but I know you're trying to get into it. And so instead of trying to fight you and resist you, I'm gonna embrace you and love you. You know, Philippians 1.16, he said this. He said, I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. What a mature thing to say. God, I know this is the worst. I know that I literally have sewage going through my prison cell, but I've been put here to preach to these prisoners, but also the people who are keeping me in here. God, I've been put here to defend the gospel. You know what Paul's really saying here? He's saying, I'm not a captive. Everybody say, I'm not a captive. He's saying, I'm not, I'm not a captive, not to how I feel, not to what I want, and not to what I need to understand to trust God, which by the way, if you need to try and understand God, then you don't really need faith. See, Paul knew, God, I don't necessarily have to understand why you're putting me through this. I just need to have faith to get me through this. Man, I've been put here for defense of the gospel. I'm not a captive because I don't have to understand why. I really don't. And so maybe you walked in here, you got past hurts. I get it. We all do. You got some scars. And you're really good at hiding those scars because, I mean, you can put on the right outfit. You know, like, you can put a smile on your face. You ain't even got to do that no more. You got your mask on, you know, like, you just look like you're happy to be here. You're bringing in some past hurts, some past struggles. You're bringing in some current hurts, some current struggles. I want you to know, you were not a captive to those things. You were not a captive to those things. You're not a captive to your expectations of your life. You're not a captive to, the, to your parents' expectations for your life, amen. You're not a captive to your own plans, you're not a captive to your own mistakes. Because we're gonna commit to God's plan for our life. We're not a captive to how we should have had life at 25. We're not a captive to getting that job that we were promised. You're not a captive to what happens after you didn't get that job. You are not a captive. I love what Paul says in verse 18. And then we'll close it out. He said, but what does it matter? Everybody say, what does it matter? What does it matter? I love that. I don't you just wish you could say that sometimes about life? <laughs> like people are all upset with you. You're like, what does it matter? Or like you're upset with something. You're like, what does it matter? What does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. What does it matter? Sometimes we just gotta take a breath. Say, I don't wanna get caught up in the small things. Anybody struggle with that? You can just nod your head. We get caught up in the small things of life. 
somebody cut you off in traffic. You're like, what is going on? You know, like, get caught up. We give them our number one finger, right? It's the right one. We get so caught up in the small things that we can't focus on the one who's in charge of the big things in our life, Jesus. I've got a whole message on that, but that's for another time. Let's look at the rest of this verse. He said, the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. Here's the deal. Whatever you place after the important thing is where the joy in your life will come from. See, the joy that Paul could get, because you're like, man, how could he ever have any joy? He was in prison and he was wrongfully, they're like, there's no reason that he should be happy because his joy was right after the most important thing, which is, guess what? Whether from false motives or true, it doesn't matter. Christ is preached. So isn't that enough? Why does it matter? What's it for us? What's after the most important thing? Is it our money? I'm just trying to get that paycheck. I'm living for the nine to five. And man, I'm just trying to get as much money as I can. I respect it, but it shouldn't be the most important thing in your life. Is it your relationship? I'll tell you, it only gets you too far or so far. If the relationship is the most important thing, that person is a person and they will fail you. I'm not trying to break your heart, but me and my wife, we've been together for almost seven years married. We've been together for almost 11 years dating and marriage. We apologize to each other at least three or four times uh, a day. <laughs> like, man, we really, I'm sorry. Relationship shouldn't be the most important thing. Your job mm, shouldn't be the most important thing. Your grades, I know they're important. It's not the most important thing. Your friends, you should have great friends. They shouldn't be the most important thing. All these things will never last, guys. Jesus will. And inviting people to church, preaching God's word, that should be the most important thing. Paul goes on to say in Philippians 3.20, this is later on in the book of Philippians, he says, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to leave that up. But our citizenship is in heaven. We get so caught up in the little things of this world, we forget that. We weren't made for this world. If you have ever wondered why things go on, like a COVID-19 pandemic, if you ever wondered why people fail you? Have you ever wondered why sometimes you're not perfect? We weren't made for this world. See, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the things of this world will not last, but what Jesus did on the cross for us will always last. See, maybe tonight for you, the thing that you've been held captive to is your past mistakes. In scripture, they call them sins. And all that sin really means is that you've separated yourself from God. And you're like, well, how did I do that? It's because you weren't perfect. 
So think back to this morning when you did something that wasn't perfect. And that would have been separating yourself from God. That's all it sent us. But man, see, God knew this. And so God, over 2,000 years ago, sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, down to earth to die for us, to where we didn't have to stay captive to our past, present, or future mistakes. See, Jesus Christ, he was born as a baby. He grew up. He was tempted in every single way that you and I are tempted, yet he didn't sin. He was perfect. And then he was wrongfully accused and wrongfully killed in the worst way possible on a cross. And we should be so, so thankful because the story didn't stop there. See, Jesus went on our behalf to die as the ultimate sacrifice. And then he rose back to life three days later. And now he gives us the opportunity to put him first place in our life and make him our Lord and our Savior. You know, I had a person ask me this week, Joey, why, if God is a loving God, would he send people to hell? And I said, he doesn't. See, when we've made our own choices and we've sinned, we're sending ourselves. but if we don't make the decision to put Jesus first place and make him our Lord and our Savior, we're still sending ourselves. We're allowing ourselves to stay captive in our past hurts, our past mistakes, our past struggles. Does that mean that life's gonna be perfect after you make that decision? Nope, it doesn't. I'll be the first one to tell you, it doesn't. I wish, but it doesn't. But it does mean that you get to go through life that's messy with the perfect one. You don't have to stay captive to those thoughts, that anxiety, that depression, that way of life. You get to move on in a new direction. So I want everybody to bow your head and close your eyes for me. You see, maybe that's you. You've been staying captive to your past sins and current sins for far too long. And you've never put Jesus first place in your life and made him your Lord and your Savior. If that's you, I'm talking right to you. Tonight's word was for you. And if you need to make that decision tonight, I want you to say this prayer after me. And we want everybody to say it because we never want anybody to feel like they're saying it alone. I want you to say this. I want you to say, dear Jesus, I need you. I know I'm a sinner. Please come into my heart. Transform my life. I choose you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. That's you tonight. I want to talk right to you. If that was for the first, only, and last time that you said that prayer, I want you to raise your hand right now. Go ahead and raise it. If that's you, if you made that decision, I see you. If that's you, go ahead and put it up. I see you. I see you. Keep it up. Keep it up high. 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 Now, right now, with your hands up, would you look at me? Would you look at me if you have your hand up? Nobody else is looking around. You just made the best decision of your entire life. I'm so proud of you, bro. It's awesome. 
That's why we do what we do. You know, our mission here is to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we do. And so right now, if you can, get your phones out. If you put your hands up, get your phones out. Go ahead and get your phones out. Get your phone out. We'll wait in this moment. I don't care what they think. We're we're just going to talk. If you got your phone out, go ahead and start texting me. 770. Here's the number. Everybody in Corpus Christi already has it anyway. I'm about to put it on a billboard, so it's good. 770-715-8651. Here's the importance of this moment. You know, I love Ikea furniture, but if I don't get directions, there ain't no way I'm building it. You know what I mean? You can make this decision tonight and you can walk out and you can say, great, I gave my life to Jesus. Or we can partner together. We can start walking and doing life together. You know what I'm saying? And so right now, text me, text me your first and last name and say, I gave my life to Jesus. My watch will catch it. So if you're like, man, I don't know if he'll know. He'll, he'll know. So your first and last name, and I gave my life to Christ or I gave my life to Jesus. It's amazing. As you're doing that, I want everybody to look up at me. We're about to go back into a time of worship. But last week, man, we had a really, really special moment. And we were able to pray for each other. We were able to ask for prayer. I don't know about you, but life is messy. We need prayer. And maybe we've been living captive to some of the things that are currently going on in our life. We don't always know what's going on in each other's life and we don't have to but here's what I want to do we're about to sing this this song called something has to break and man I love it because every time that I worship man I'm thinking about that thing going God you're in control you're in control and I keep singing it until I believe it anybody ever do that you got to keep singing those words until you believe them tonight as the band gets ready to to play. If you need prayer, come down here. I I, want to use the front of the stage as an altar. Come down here, get down on your knees, worship Jesus. We got a team who's ready to pray for you. And I'm going to believe that you don't have to stay stuck in those captive thoughts in in that current situation. I'm going to believe that you're not a captive. Would you please stand up for me? And if you need to, you can come down to the front. Let me pray. Dear God, thank you for tonight. God, I pray that as we begin to go back into this time of worship, that as four of us are now about to worship as a son or a daughter of yours for the very first time, I think that's so special. But God, I also pray that for those of us that are in messy situations, that man, life's just tough right now. We don't have to spread our business, but man, we can get some prayer for it. Pray that we would bring it down to the altar that people would surround them with prayer. We would lift them up to you. Just like Pastor Nate said last, we would be that sweet aroma that you smell in heaven. God, let me just pray one more time for anybody in this room that has a prayer. I pray that you would hear it and I pray that you would move in their life in a drastic way. Jesus, we love you. We're grateful for you. We ask it all in your name. Amen.